Ready? Go. Illustrator.org podcast coming your way. Episode 451 Q&A question and answer segment. See me and the Rickster, Ricky v Raw. How you doing? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? What's everybody doing out there? Oh, man. We got a hell of a show ahead today. And let's hit it. Rick's so excited that he forgot to hit record on the button. So the first one we're going to talk about, guys, it's going to be a good one. This guy writes in, Rick. I'm going to give you first crack at this because you have uh, some experience with this. He says, what's up, bitches? I'm 22 years old. This is going to be my first cycle. I want to run 800 milligrams a week of testosterone and orals with it. He wants to know what kind of advice we can give him. So you were a young guy when you started steroids. What do you have to say to this guy? Um, you know, why shoot all your cartridges so early? Why get up and dose that high the first cycle? Um, I, don't, I don't think it's necessary. Now, there are other guys out there who believe that your first couple of cycles, and I believe this too, you get some of the best longer lasting gains. So some guys who might see things differently than I would say, hey, why not throw the kitchen sink at it your first cycle and get as much gains as you possibly can after all? Your first cycle really is always your best, your best cycle uh, as far as um, your body responding to the, to the sauce and what you get out of it. I like to think that this is really a marathon, not a, not a sprint. You will get, I think your long-lasting permanent results will be comparable in the lower or higher dosing range. So going more conservative and then you... You can later go up to 800 mix. You can later add an oral kickstart. You can later do all of that. You don't have to do it all, all your first cycle. I'd say just keep it low. Keep it around 500 or something combined. I mean, if you're doing an oral with a little bit of, a, of an injectable, 500, maybe, or maybe, maybe six, 800 total. Really, if, you, if you've really been training natural five, eight years, and you're really at that, that genetic limit, and you really feel like, 800 megs is justifiable. All right. But to throw like an oral kickstart and all this other stuff on top of 800, that's kind of a lot, man. It's a, it's a thousand is what I think everybody should be staying at. Um, and and I, I think just most gym rats should be staying around at a thousand. So, you know, just work your way up to that. And maybe like maybe your first cycle, you just do like a oral only Anavar cycle. I did one a cycle like that a couple of years ago. Um, put together a little, a little pamphlet about it. Basically just, you know, nice little, little oral run just to see how your body responds and how you like it. Um, no need to shoot all your cartridges and get, get up in the higher dosing of the first cycle. I don't no I need to shoot, that. No need to shoot your wad on the first cycle. It's just, it's just, you know, once you, so, cause you, you may, maybe you want to run the same dosing in two or three cycles, or you want to go up a little bit as you get larger and bigger and, you know, it should retain more mass, but just to, to be up or over a thousand or a thousand on your first go around. I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that nowadays. I don't, I don't know. It's just, just my opinion. What do you think, Steve? What do you think? Let me, let me play devil's advocate and pretend to uh, be this, this kid. Um, and I call him a kid, 22 years old. You are young at that age, even though you think you know everything. It's really normal to think you know everything, think you're smart and everyone else, especially your parents. 
You know, every 22 year old thinks they're smarter than their parents. The thing is experience makes a difference. Like I'm way smarter today than I was. I was a pretty fucking smart 22 year old, by the way. I was probably smarter than 99% of 22 year olds, my peers when I was 22 and more successful, by the way, self-made. I wasn't some trust fund baby who inherited money from mommy and daddy. You know, I was actually self-made, but here's the thing. Even at that age, I thought, you know, I thought I was smarter than a lot of people. And I was. But the thing is, now I'm smarter. So you're 22. When you're 42, you're going to be smarter than you are now. If you educate yourself and you push yourself to be smarter, that's the key. So one of the things you have to realize is 22, you don't have the steroid knowledge that you will have at 42, assuming that you, assuming that you keep studying the stuff, listening to this podcast, listening to the right podcasts, because you listen to the wrong podcast, you'll make yourself dumber. So you have to get the good information. Like this podcast, it's good information. I've never let anyone down, okay, on this stuff. So you stick, you stick with me, you're going to go far. You stick with Rick, you're going to go far. Okay, you stick with the mobster, you're going to go far. Okay, none of us are going to lead you in the wrong direction. We have 100 years of experience between the three of us, okay? Come on the forums, ask questions, read, read the articles, gain knowledge, all right? Even if you think you know everything because you watched a few YouTube videos on this stuff, so you think that you're an expert, right? Trust me, you have a lot of room to learn about this stuff. And if you go from 22 years old to 42 years old and you don't get smarter, that's on you. That's because you didn't put in the research and do your homework to get smarter on this stuff. So gosh, we all wish we could go back in time and redo our first cycle. Because we would have done it smarter. Even though my first cycle, personally, <laughs> I changed my physique on my first cycle. I don't know about you, Rick, but I changed my physique on my first cycle. The thing is, though, there were things that I look back on that I could have done better. In terms of recovery, I could have done that much, much better. In terms of understanding blood work, I could have done that better. In terms of running better ancillaries on cycle, I could have done that better. In terms of my diet, I could have done better in terms of my workouts. I could have done better. You see what I'm saying? Because the workouts and diet you have at 22 are going to be way inferior than your workouts and diets when you're 42 or 32, because you're going to learn so much about what works for your body and what doesn't. You're also going to learn about these pesky things that you don't experience at 22. You know what that is, Rick? What do you think it is? That you don't pain, experience the pain injuries when you're 22, you can go work out six times a week and get away with it. I've had this argument on forums before with these young guys They're like, oh, I'm so big and bad. I work out six times a week. And you only work out four times a week. You're a pussy. Here's the thing. You know how many times I've gotten in my car over the past five years going to the gym? I get in my car. I sit there for a couple minutes and then I get out of my car and walk back to my place and say, you know what? I'm not going to the gym. 
because I say, you know what? I got to give my body a rest today. That's what's going to happen when you get older. And listen, you can argue with me all you want on that, but look at professional sports. Do you notice in professional sports, players get drafted into the NFL at 21, 22 years old. They get drafted into the NHL at 18, 19 years old. They get drafted into the NBA. Kobe Bryant got drafted into the NBA. He was only 18, 19 years old. LeBron James, 18, 19 years old. Other NBA players, they might do a year or two in college at the most. So they're going to NBA at 20. And then when they get to their 30s and they're, if they're lucky enough to make it to their 40s, which is very, very rare, there's not many 40-year-old pros in these leagues, they start getting injuries. They get old. They get slower, all right? They go from being a, you know, in, in hockey, for example, they go from being a centerman on the first line and then they stay in the NHL for 20 years, and now they're almost, you know, in their late 30s, and now they're playing on the third or fourth line. Um, maybe they'll play on the power play. Maybe they'll play on the uh, – maybe they play the penalty kill. You know, they don't really get much ice time anymore. So they, they're drop off. They're, because what happens is your body breaks down. You, you start not recovering the same way. You see? So you have to kind of realize that and, and just understand that you have to take care of yourself now. And if you start – just hammering your body with steroids and weight training. By the time you get 40 years old, your body's going to break down. You'll be crippled. You'll be crippled. And then you, you, you'll be in pain all the time. So yes, I wish I could go back and not have hammered my body the way I did because I used to think that way. I used to think I was invincible. I could never get injured because I would get these little injuries and they'd go away on their own. But once you get older, these little injuries don't go away anymore. They just get worse and worse. So you have to just take your time on this. And life doesn't end at 25. Your life doesn't end at 25. Depending on what country you live in, your life is going to go many, many years. And you have to kind of think more long term. So I would say that this person I would tell you, you're about to start your first cycle. Just hold off. Hold off at 22. I would say wait till at least 25, 26 before your first cycle. I think that that's fair. You know, I didn't run my first cycle until I was about 28, 29. And even then, I thought that I was early. I thought that I could definitely get better and stuff. So, you know, at the end of the day, that's how it goes. But again, I, I have to ask you, Rick. And let's be honest with ourselves. There's these young guns out there, like Nick, Nick Walker, for example. And these guys are getting top 10, top five Mr. Olympia. And they started this stuff really, really young. So if you want to become a pro one day, you got to start young. The question is, are you capable of becoming at going to that level? If the answer is yes, Listen, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But likely the answer is going to be no. And I'll tell you why the answer is going to be low. Because if you are in high school and you're not the top athlete in your own high school, you're not the top athlete in your own county, then you're not going to be a pro bodybuilder one day. All right. It's not something that magically happens just by 
shooting your ass with 800 milligrams of testosterone, okay? You're not going to turn into a pro bodybuilder. You got to have the genetics. So if you can't even be, make your own, you know, be a starter in high school on your football team or whatever else sport you want to do, you're not going to make it, you know, you're not going to make it as a pro bodybuilder either. You got to have the genetics. So you should know by now at 22, if you have genetics or not. So, you know, that's, that's how it goes. I mean, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's probably not going to happen that you're ever going to be top 15, Mr. Olympia here, you know? So you have to factor that in. And then on the flip side, before I bring you in, Rick, I get this a lot where guys say that they like, Oh, well, Arnold started really young using steroids. He started off. I'm not saying don't start young. All right. When it comes to bodybuilding, when did I ever say that? I started weight training when I was 14 and I started in my first gym when I was 15. So I started pretty young, but I didn't use steroids when I was that young. That's the key. I didn't use steroids. I was 28, 29. So I never said you can't start bodybuilding young. You can start bodybuilding, but bodybuilding doesn't mean you have to stick your ass with steroids. Bodybuilding young means getting on a good workout program, be consistent, putting in the hours, proper training, proper, proper lifting, okay? Not going in there like a gorilla and throwing weights around. Actually knowing what you're doing and understanding how the muscles work and how weight training works. Getting on a good diet at 14, 15, you're dependent on your parents. Okay. And your parents probably don't eat a good bodybuilder diet unless your parents were, you know, our athletes themselves. Okay. So I'm not going to fault you for that. But again, that's another good reason why to, to wait is once you're, you know, you go to college, you get a good education, you get a good career going, then you can go buy anything you want. You can go shop at Whole Foods like I do every three or four days. I go to Whole Foods. I, I get organic. I get the best meats. I get the best fruits, the best vegetables, the best fats, the best carbs. Okay. High quality foods. At 14, 15, I couldn't eat that. In 14, 15, my diet was, you know, whatever my parents gave me and whatever I happened to be able to get at the school cafeteria. That was my diet. All right. And uh, so I was at that. I was at those things mercy. So I couldn't have a bodybuilder diet at that age. So that's a thing that's you're going to have to work on, try to improve. I knew to stay away from sugars. I knew to stay away from refined carbs. Okay. But I, could I avoid them entirely? No, I still, you know, had to eat sometimes garbage food. So to make things make ends meet. So yeah, Rick, any final thoughts on that before we move on? I think it'll be a good topic for us to come back to at another time. We uh, spent a good bit of time on it today already. The next one we're going to talk about is what are your stances on dutasteride and finasteride? So I've never used these before. I have no desire to ever use them, but finasteride is one that gets talked about a lot in uh, the lot. The main reason people end up using it in bodybuilding is for hair loss to prevent hair loss. Another reason though, that you may have heard of it is, you know, because of prostate issues. So if you have an enlarged prostate, you might have got get, you know, prescribed it. So 
Finasteride, butasteride, these are five alpha reductase inhibitors. So it treats BPH by blocking the body's production of dihydrotestosterone. So it's going to prevent your body produces testosterone, which converts into dihydrotestosterone. And that causes that BPH, that enlarged prostate, which is benign prosthetic hyperplasia. And that's a common uh, problem with men. Once we get into our 40s and especially 50s, that's a very common problem, whether you use steroids or not. Obviously, when you use anabolic steroids, they do metabolize into dihydrotestosterone, depending on what you're using. But also there's DHT derivative steroids that directly cause DHT in your body to go up. You know, Winstrol, for example, have you ever won Winstrol and noticed, oh my God, my hair is falling out? Well, that's why, you know, it's a DHT derivative. So it's a very harsh compound. So now listen, at the end of the day, we have a disclaimer at the end of the show. You always listen to your doctor, always. Okay. But let's be honest. You're not being honest with your doctor because you're not telling your doctor. Yeah. I abuse the shit out of steroids. That's why my prostate is the size of a grapefruit. And that's why my hair is shedding. So if you told your doctor that, you know what your doctor is going to say, you know, a good doctor will tell you, he's going to say, stop using steroids. So that's what I'll have to tell you. So if you're, if you have to resort to using these types of drugs, you need to stop using steroids instead of using the steroids. And then running to your doctor, like a little, you know, like a, you know, and fooling your doctor into writing you a prescription for this without disclosing that information. Because your doctor is going to try to do what's best for you. But if you don't disclose that information to your doctor, you're just screwing yourself. You see what I'm saying? So when you use anabolic steroids, when you abuse anabolic steroids, I've seen people run TRT at these crazy dosages. And when you do that, you are making things really, really hard on yourself. And you're causing these issues to come up where you need to use a finasteride, butasteride. Now, here's, here's why I say to stay the hell away from this stuff, all right? When you block DHT in your body, okay, we have a reason that we have DHT in our body. We need that DHT. We need that DHT for our libido, for our reproductive health, our, our dick health. Okay. That's why we have penises in the first place is from DHT. So blocking DHT from converting is really, really dumb in my mind. And there is something called post finasteride syndrome, which is where guys can go years having sexual dysfunction from using finasteride. And I've talked to guys personally on the forums and stuff who've used this stuff and they've experienced issues like right off the bat. So, and there's other guys that have used it, haven't had no issues, but then I tell them, look, you know, we don't know the long-term, this could cause an issue for a year or two. So you want to avoid running these DHT blockers as much as you can um, for that reason. And here, here's another reason why it's, it doesn't make any sense for you to use this stuff. On, on cycle. Here's the thing. These DHT derivatives, they're not going to be affected by the finasteride because they don't convert. You're not getting these testosterone derivatives that convert 
to DHT in the body, you're getting a direct effect of DHT. So these 5-alpha reductase inhibitors like finasteride and dutasteride don't, will, will not do you any good. If you're running things like Winstrol or Masteron or Primo, which is a DHT derivative as well, any of these DHT derivatives that directly cause the DHT in your body to go up, it's not going to do anything. It's going to prevent them, the metabolization of the DHT from the testosterone derivative. So if you're running tons of testosterone, then it will, it will help. But if you're running Winstrol and Primo and Masteron, these other DHT derivatives, it's not going to do anything anyway. So you see all these guys like on YouTube doing these videos and stuff and they're fake natties, you know, they're, oh, I'm, 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 I'm just on TRT. They'll say I'm just on TRT because they want, they want you to think it's their supplements that made them look good. It's not the steroids. And they're all bald at like 30 years old. Well, yeah, because they're using, <laughs> they're using anabolic steroids and Winstrol and all these other steroids <clears throat> that, that blow their hair up. And they want you to think that they're not using steroids. Okay, it's not normal to go bald at 30, all right? So they are the types of people that will tell you, oh, go on finasteride, go on dutasteride, save your hair. In the end, it does more harm than good. So my honest opinion is, maybe Ricky have a different opinion. My honest opinion, stay the fuck away from finasteride and dutasteride. I just saved you years of dick problems by telling you this. But maybe, I don't know, Rick, have you ever run these before? Maybe you have a different opinion. My last um, co-host, Trevor, back in the day, he used to run finasteride. He said he had no problems at all. So what do you think? It depends on the person, whether you want to go down this road or not. Um, when I noticed that I got a little bit of, of lightness in, at the very top of my scalp or my crown, I just shaved my head off, and I've been rocking a little bit of stubble, a little bit of boldy ever since then. I never cared about taking additional drugs to save my hair. I, I was fine rocking really low kind of baldy haircut and I'm fine with that. But some of you guys might really be holding on to those strands. And so in that case, your lifestyle kind of demands it. If you want to do some of these higher doses, because the way I've kept my stubble into my forties now still even is just don't fucking abuse the steroids too, too hard. And then you don't have a lot to worry about. I think, I think uh, these uh, five reductase inhibitors really come into play when you're doing some of the heavier, larger dosing. If you keep it low, you should be okay. I mean, it's normal to see some hair shedding during the cycle, but your hair should kind of bounce back once you come off a cycle uh, after, after a few weeks. It's... You know, it's very, um, it's a very genetic thing. You know, you'd see a lot of Mr. Olympia guys that have huge full heads of hair and they're on a ton of steroids and some are bald. You know, you see some gym goers that are just bald like me. It's just, it's just a side effect that some people are more prone to than others. And you got to decide what, what it's worth it for you. Have I ever used it? No, I just, I just kept my doses lower. I don't mess with it because I feel as though it messes with my dick. You know, I tried Propecia um, in one cycle a while ago, and I just, I just didn't like the way. I'm, that's one of the side effects that I noticed first. It's one of the reasons I'm so 
adamant about guys being careful when they use Deca or even when they use Trembolone. I mean, Trendic is no fun. You know, being horny as hell, but being unable to climax. That's that's really no fun. And so it's one of the reasons I talk, I talk, tell guys, hey, keep the trend low. Same thing with Deca. Deca dick is no fun at all. Same thing with, with Propecia Finasteride. You know, I tried the I tried Propecia. Um, my dick didn't feel right. Just a couple of weeks in, I just knew something just just wasn't working, wasn't working for me. And so I opted for just doing lower doses and not not including um Propecia into the mix. Just didn't feel like I wanted to deal with those side effects. Um, but some guys might, and for you guys that do, then you know, you might you might be okay with your dick not feeling fine all the way, as long as your hair is not it's not coming off your hair head and you're still making gains. You know, it depends, it depends what's important to you. And look, you might you might take the propecia and not have any dick problems at all. Or you might use other propecia and you know and have them. It, it goes back to what we, me and Steve say a lot on the show. A lot of it is, is your own body chemistry and what's going to happen with you when you run that, that, that test, but you tested and tried. Look, if I use Propecia and I felt like my stubble got a little th thicker or I got, I had some additional benef benefits in my lifestyle and it didn't mess with my dick, I, I'd, I'd probably be taking it. I probably would have been talking about using a little bit of Propecia in your cycle since since this podcast started, since I started on this podcast a while ago. But I ran that experiment. It didn't do well for me. So I stopped. I stopped messing with it. But I'm sure some guys out there are using it now and will continue to use uh, the product and, and be fine with it. It's really up to each one to run your own experiment and see what's actually going to happen when you, uh, when you take these drugs. Now, It's, you know, if, 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 you, if you're having some shedding from the steroids, which not everybody does, and holding on to your hair is, is extremely important to you, which for not for some of us, it just wasn't, um, then hit it. You know what I mean? Like, give it a try. See how you feel. See, see maybe you, you'll, you'll feel fine on it. You know what I mean? So. That's all I got to say about it, about it, bro. I mean, I, I've dealt with clients that, that use this stuff and some of them have dick problems. Many of them do not. I had dick problems just a couple of weeks in. I just didn't, I, I tell you what, cycling and mountain biking has made my prostate feel more tender than any steroids ever did. And it's something to think about. Like I never experienced any sort of uh, prostate issues at all with, with my cycles. But since I started cycling, when I took up uh, mountain biking uh, a few years ago, now my, pro my prostate feels a little tender sometimes. Figure that one out. So, um, so yeah, that's just that's just uh, that's probably um, from getting them sucked. That's nothing to do with the biking. <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely. I think uh, I definitely think biking, mountain biking, uh, puts pressure on that part of the body where we, we were never evolved to, to have pressure put on that. On that area, I think you yeah. should you should ask Lance Armstrong about that, <laughs> he right? Would. He would yeah, I mean, right? there's a lot of there's a lot of dudes that uh that cycle do it well. Some of us start to 
you just feel it. You know, you feel the prostate more when you're cycling than when you're not. Yeah. See, I mean, I just want to let, let, let you guys know this, that this this is this is the thing. If you experiment with this stuff, I'm to, of of the belief that experimenting the stuff and then seeing how you do on it may not be a wise choice because even if you run it like a short amount of time and decide, you know what, this isn't for me, you're still doing what these drugs do and they do work well. And that is they block DHT conversion in the body. So even blocking your DHT conversion for a short amount of time could have short and long-term issues. I mean, and, and these, you know, you can read online the, the drugs, they tell you the side effects. And that's one of the side effects that are caused by these drugs. So is it worth experimenting? Another thing is, let's say you use it and you don't have any issues on it and you run it for like six months straight. You know, we don't know what kind of issues you could have down the line because you used it. So it's really hard to, you know, for me to say, yeah, you know, go ahead and experiment with it. My, my position on it is just stay the hell away from it. It's not worth it. You know, it's just not worth fucking with your DHT. My solution is you need to stop abusing anabolic steroids. If you have an enlarged prostate, you need to stop abusing anabolic steroids. And if you're on TRT, you need to look at your dosage of your TRT that you're using. Because a lot of these anti-aging clinics are fucking people up. They're putting them on too much TRT. You know, it used to be like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was hard to get TRT. And if you got TRT, people would complain that they were dosed too low. Now it's easy to get TRT, but now people are not just getting TRT. They're getting all this other shit with it that they don't need. These anti-aging clinics are putting people on HCG when they don't need it. They're putting them on finasteride when they don't need it. They're putting them on peptides when they don't need it. They're putting them on all this, romacin when they shouldn't need it. Why do you need to run an AI with your TRT? If you're running your TRT at a proper dose, you shouldn't need an AI, right? You know what I'm saying? Why would you want to block DHT in your body and then you're going to go block or inhibit estrogen in your body. Hmm. Maybe I should run a proper dose of TRT so I don't have to run this other stuff. Maybe I should cycle on and off steroids properly, cycle on and then take two times twice as much time off so I don't have estrogen problems and DHT problems in my body. Maybe I shouldn't stack more than one DHT derivative in my cycle a harsh DHT derivative like Winstrol, maybe I shouldn't run Winstrol a very long time. Hmm. Maybe I shouldn't run Winstrol with something like Trend that's going to flare up my prostate and, and, and shed my hair like crazy. These are things, these, I'm for preventative, a preventative approach, okay? Now, when I was younger, I wasn't. I can remember going to a dentist and the dentist yelling at me because I had a cavity and he said, you know what? That cavity is going to turn into a root canal and you know what I told him? I said, you know what? I'm not worried about it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait till it actually happens and it hurts. Then I'll come to you. And he got mad. He got mad at me. He's like, you would, you're turning down getting a cavity, which costs $120 to take care of, to wait a year, two years, three years, four years. And then you're going to need a root canal, which costs $1,500. 
And then you're going to need a crown, which costs another $1,500. Instead of just getting the cavity taken care of and spending $120 right now. Doesn't make any sense. So I learned my lesson the hard way when I was younger. I'm trying to prevent you guys from learning the lesson too. So that's just my prerogative, but some people are different. You know, some people want to wait till the problem happens and then, you know, spend a lot, hell of a lot more money and have a lot more of a headache. So that's what we try to do. That's what I try to do on this podcast. So the next thing we're going to talk about, Ray, I'll bring you in because I kind of ranted a little bit long. Uh, does appetite go up or down on steroids? So this is kind of a gray topic, but get into it. What's your experience with appetite? Um, I, I, maybe I'm a little bit hungrier on steroids than not um, growing faster. And so uh, I think I'm, I'm usually a little bit hungrier on, on any steroid than not. But I think there are other things that affect my levels of hunger way more than the steroids. I wouldn't really put it on steroids um, that much to, to be to be honest with you, you know, um, a little bit more than not. I mean, this is a real simple kind of question. So, I mean, the, does appetite go up? It's, it's always going up for me. Uh, other things like stimulants, like just life, it will tend to either kill my appetite, you know, or where, where, I'm, where I'm doing a lot more cardio, like I just mentioned in the last uh, question, mountain biking. If I go mountain biking, I mean, that day, have to consume massive amounts of calories uh, after, I mean, I'm, I'm just hungry the rest of the day after a good, you know, four or five hour mountain biking trip. If I go that far, or if I, you know, even if just a, a quick two, three hour ride is enough to just open my appetite up really mean for the rest of the day. So those things, I think training probably affects my appetite way more than, than just the steroids do. But yeah, I mean, you're just, you're just a little bit more hungry, especially if you're trying to, to bulk a little bit um, or even recomp. You're, you, you feel your body asking you for those calories because you're, you're both growing and spending calories feeding the, the, the new tissue. So you feel your body are yearning for, for that nutrition. Um, and then, you know, using training and other compounds that you might be using along with your cycle, like some peptides will make you hungrier than, than any steroids will. So that's, yeah, it's just something, to, something to go on. I'm going to give you a couple scenarios. Um, the first one is body stress. So when your body is under a lot of stress and your body's feeling sick, your appetite is going to go down. And the reason that happens, guys, it's instinctual. It's, it's natural. In the wild, an animal that's sick will go and find some place to hide, some place to shelter, and just lay there. And it will just fast, okay, until the sickness passes. If you ever notice a dog or a cat that you have, and you take your dog or cat to the vet, the first question they ask them, Rick, what is the first question the vet asks you when you take your dog or, or, or cat? How's their appetite? Exactly. And a lot of people, they don't understand why, but the vet asked that question because that's a telltale sign. If you're, is your pet dealing with something right now where the vet needs to order some tests? Because you, they can't ask your pet, hey, what's bothering you? Your pet could have a stomach, a stomach ache. Your pet could, you know, have something, uh, some type of injury, something. 
And if it doesn't have appetite, that's its way of trying to heal itself. So if your pet isn't eating instinctually, that means something's wrong with it. So when you're running anabolic steroids and you're making yourself sick because you're running, you're abusing anabolic steroids, or your body's just not reacting well to anabolic steroids. We, we hear this a lot on more of the, the more androgenic steroids, like trend. First time, you know, first couple of times I ran trend, I ran it at like 350, 400 milligrams, which is a pretty hefty dose. And, you know, I ran a lot of tests with it as well. And I didn't feel good on cycle, but my workouts were fantastic. I was getting a lot of gains, but I just didn't feel good. So my appetite went down because I was stressing out my body too much. My body was sick. Those steroids were toxic in my body. Your liver is toxic. Your kidneys are being poisoned, you know, toxic. There's toxicity in your body. So yes, your appetite will go down. There's other factors at work for appetite going back up. You know, it could be your hormones, your hormone levels fluctuating can cause appetite to go up or down. Growing a lot of mass on your frame, getting a lot of strength quickly, doing harder workouts can cause an appetite increase. But, you know, obviously anabolic steroids, a lot of them were designed for things like anemia, muscle wasting and stuff like that. So obviously they do a good job of increasing your appetite. So on, on most of your cycles, your appetite's going to go up. But if your appetite isn't going up on cycle, it could mean that you're just abusing steroids too much and your body's just not having a good time with it. So you want to reduce stress in that situation. Food stresses are a big factor. Environmental stresses are a big factor. Um, even the water you're drinking is a big, is a big stressor. You want to make sure you're drinking good quality water. You want to make sure you're eating organic, good, clean foods. You want to make sure you're not eat, consuming refined oils, um, sugars, like refined sugars, foods that are hard to digest, a lot of dry meats, a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of um, things that maybe you're allergic to, maybe you don't know you're allergic to, uh, a lot of processed foods, those things stress your body out. So you want to stick to foods that don't stress your body. I think the easiest way to do that when it comes to foods is eating good, clean, natural, organic fruits and vegetables. Those are the easiest things for your body to digest because they're mostly made up of water and fiber, almost all water and fiber. So you put something in your body that's all water and fiber, obviously it's going to be so easy to digest because our bodies are mostly made up of water in the first place. But if you eat something off a shelf out of a cardboard box, it's, how much water does it contain? Not very much. So it's going to go in your body. Your body's going to have to process it and make your body do more work. Sleep quality. It's a domino effect. You start getting stressed out. You start having less sleep. That stresses your body out more because your body needs that sleep to re repair itself, to recover itself. You see? So it's a domino effect. So now you're not sleeping as good on cycle, right? And then that's going to that's going to continue to reduce appetite. So a good, clean, strong appetite on cycle is tells you that you're growing, you're getting good results, your body is handling all the pressure you're putting on it, and you're going to be able to get a good cycle in. But if you go on cycle and you start experiencing a rapid drop in appetite, something is wrong. Like you really have to listen to your body on that. But a good, clean appetite is always going to be 
you know, what you want to strive for on cycle. Anything else you want to add, Rick? If you're on orals and your, and your appetite is going to shit and you're not taking some kind of heavy stimulant or, or doing, you know, like taking into burn or something, then you, you might have some serious problems. You know, um, like Steve was saying, some organ toxicity, the first thing you'll, you'll notice is your appetite going to shit. So, um, you know, your appetite, is just, it just stops, you know, some, some of the, of the issues with your organs, the first thing you'll notice is a problem with your appetite. You're just not hungry. You just don't feel like eating. So, um, you know, be, be, be real mindful of, of that side effect and just make sure to, you know, be careful, Spe especially if you're on orals. That's what I would, uh, that's what I would say. I think it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good warning sign that something may be up with your liver. Never go on cycle unless you're healthy. That's the final tip I'll give you on this. Because if you go on cycle and you're not healthy, you're going to get more sick on cycle. So it's, it's kind of putting yourself back. So I really recommend that you just always stay healthy before you go on cycle. So make sure you check your blood work, check lip, your lipid health, you know, your blood pressure, your cholesterol, all that good stuff. Donate blood. That's a really good uh, way to help your community. Also help, help yourself get the, you know, get those red blood cell count, red blood cells uh, knocked down a couple pegs. That'll help you. So it's, it's, it's really worth it. Um, so, you know, never, just never go on cycle when you're not healthy. If you have bad blood pressure and you go on cycle, then you're just hurting yourself regardless. The next one we're going to talk about is how to use HGH with steroids. So, um, you know, I talk a lot about blood work, um, growth hormone, getting tested for, for your growth hormone levels is expensive. And a lot of people don't want to do it for that reason. And, you know, it's totally understandable. I mean, it costs three, four times the, the amount to test, you know, IGF-1, growth hormone in the body and stuff like that. But it really is a good investment just to see where you're at. Because, and the reason I say this is, is this reason. When, you, when you're going to make the decision to spend thousands of dollars on growth hormone, and growth hormone is, is pretty expensive. You know, you can easily spend a thousand on a couple kits from a, from a good source. Right. So we're talking four figures here before you start investing money, it's good to know where your growth hormones are and how much are you going to benefit from it? So if your growth hormone levels are poor and you go on a, let's say two IUs of HGH a day, you're going to get some good results. You'll feel it. But if you have good growth hormone levels, you know, and you decide, hey, I'm going to go on two IUs a day of, of growth hormone, you're just wasting your money. Like there's no, there's no need. If you're 25 or 30 years old and you want to grow on, you want to go on growth hormone, but your growth hormone levels are fine. It doesn't make any sense. You see what I'm saying? But if you're a competitor, you're a pro, obviously the pros run a lot of growth hormone, six IUs, eight. 15, 20 IUs a day of growth hormone at the highest levels of Mr. Olympia levels. They run a ton of growth hormone. And then of course they have to run insulin with it to knock down their blood sugar. So if you're just a normal Joe and you want to run four IUs a day of growth hormone, you're going to have issues with your blood sugar elevating. You're going to have issues with things like carpal tunnel. You're going to have issues maybe with water retention. You're going to have issues with, you know, um, just financial issues. It's going to hit your wallet really hard. I just don't think it's necessary. Um, 
we've seen over the years, a source is getting really, really good at providing good quality growth hormone now. So if you come on our forums, you know, you could find a, a good source. So you'll notice if you run four IUs a day, you're going to get these side effects. So, you know, you're running too much and it really does more harm than good. So if you're going to run an anabolic steroid cycle, I'd want to know where your growth hormones are right now. Where's your IGF-1 now? I would want to know that. And then that I'd be able to guide you on if growth hormone would be even worth it. And if it's low and you decide to run in a steroid cycle and you run a little bit of a HGH, like two IUs a day, maybe 2.5 IUs a day at the most, a good quality growth hormone, you're gonna get some, you're gonna get some nice results. You'll notice your sleep, you sleep harder. You may not necessarily sleep better, but you'll sleep harder. You'll wake up more refreshed because you'll be sleeping harder. Um, your appetite will get stronger. You'll notice over time, um, it's going to take a couple months, but you'll notice you're fitting better into your pants. So you're getting leaner. So those are the, those are the benefits of growth hormone. Recovery, in theory, should be better. But again, it depends. Um, don't expect, you know, miracles. And, you know, we see these competitors at the highest level run growth hormone because they're looking for size. You see what I'm saying? They're looking for big size and growth hormone not only grows cells, but it splits the cells in your body. So, yeah, so there's a big difference between a pro and a normal gym rat. So I would stick to two, two and a half IUs a day if you run it with steroids. I think, I think you'll get, you know, good results. You'll get, you'll get the kind of results that, that you're looking for if you just stick to those doses. There's no reason to run it for four IUs, five IUs, six IUs. Um, a lot of guys used to recommend those types of dosages back in the day. But I think it was because Rick back in those days, it was all underdose growth hormone. So they had to run that much because it was so damn underdose. Give us your final thoughts on this, right? Before we close up the show, this is a good one. You know, I've said on the show before, one of the best stacks you can get to really look darn fucking good is if you get human grade testosterone and human grade growth hormone like good amounts from the pharmacy, you can look great just on those two. And there are a lot of different, uh, I don't want to say a lot, but there's little different little protocols you can use to run that HGH. Um, some guys will say, hit it all one shot in the morning. Some guys will hit it a couple of times throughout the day. Um, you got to kind of, before we said it, just try what works best for you. But really, I mean, HGH, goes really well with steroids it's a great synergy uh you're using two pathways for growth and fat loss and it's you know out of uh if you get good quality growth hormone you could do a decent amount of it uh you're going to see some incredible results i mean it's going to it's going to re rejuvenate the way your body looks your skin everything it's just a good 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 product it's uh, something now that me going into 40 now, I'm going to really enjoy uh, cycling and using, and I'll definitely be here uh, discussing it with you guys, how, how I, I run my GH protocols when, when I start them up uh, later in the year here. But, but yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, just stack it three, four, five months, as long as you can do the, the GH afford it, good quality stuff and hit it with uh pretty much any steroid i like human grade testosterone to go along with it but if you're bulking you can throw in some 
more bulky compounds. If you're cutting, you could throw in some cutting compounds into the mix. You know, it's no, no big issue with that. Uh, really just it's, I've spoken about, about trend like this, the trend kind of multiplies, amplifies everything else you're doing. And when it comes to, to steroids, um, and human growth hormone, human growth hormone is just like that for steroids. Whatever you're doing, it's going to multiply it and make it more effective. If you want a good whole podcast just about bulking steroids, check out episode 370. Or if you want just a whole podcast all about cutting steroids, go to episode 368. You can grab either of those cycle ideas, our cutting or our bulking episodes, and sprinkle some good quality, good quality human growth hormone on top of that, and you'll get way better results. You know, it's just human growth hormone is the truth, especially for us older guys in the game in our 40s and 50s. Definitely human growth hormone has some additional advantages for us that maybe wouldn't be uh, so great for a young buck. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, at the end of the day, I made the decision that I'm not going to mess with HGH, so I'm much older. I'm very worried about running HGH due to the cancer uh, issues. Um, you know, I do think that although HGH doesn't directly cause cancer, it can have an indirect effect on cancer cells in your body. So I'm very concerned with uh, with using it at a young age. It would be something that I would consider once I'm you know well you know into my fifties. And, um, you know, I don't think I need HGH right now. My HGH levels are normal for my age and I'm still recovering pretty, pretty decently. So, but I have run HGH. Um, I've run it here, you know, a couple of times and, um, you know, it gave me, like I told you guys, it gave me those results. It gave me the fat loss. It gave me the sleep, harder sleep, and it gave me the appetite increase. So the stuff does does work pretty well. But like I said, I don't think I need it right now. Um, and I don't think that it's, it's something I want to risk in, in terms of the cancer effects and, and plus the insulin, uh, sensitivity effects that it has because it can increase insulin resistance. So that's something that I, I don't want to, uh, to mess with either, but it only increases insulin resistance if you abuse it. So as long as you're not abusing it, you, you'll be okay. All right. All right. So this was episode number 451 Q&A. It was a good episode. So we will talk to you guys next week. We'll have more Q&As coming your way. Take care. Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys. Guys, this is the required legal disclaimer. We are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use. We are not doctors, and none of what we say should be regarded as medical advice. Always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program.